Hi guys, and welcome back to the Mystery and Comedy Old Time Radio Podcast. Happy Halloween! Join me right now as we welcome to the show to continue our month of Spooktober, Mr. Bob Hope. In this first episode with Mr. Jerry Lewis and Mr. Dean Martin, Mr. Bob Hope throws a surprise party for all of his friends. And in the second episode, Mr. Bob Hope welcomes Mrs. Doris Day to the program. And join me later on tonight, guys, as I bring you three shows guaranteed to chill your spine for our last Tuesday's performance. Please welcome to the show Miss Elspeth Eric. And in the second and final episodes for this month, for later on tonight, Frankenstein and Dracula, the two old-time radio horror movie icons. I hope you guys enjoy Mr. Bob Hope and his performance on the show. If you like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys, and enjoy the show. Thanks. The new Swan Show with our great singing star, Doris Day. Well, I swan. A new comedy team sensation, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. Irene Ryan, the four hits of the miss, and the new Left Ground Band. We're Swan exclusively. How about you? Yes, how about you? Who, me? My name is Robert. You can break me in two hopes. Now, Bob Hope's Swan's Eye View of the News. Washington, D.C. radio's giveaway programs were under fire this week as the Federal Communications Commission hear arguments against banning them from the air. Yeah, they'll give away anything nowadays. The other night, Fervor McGee had to buy back Molly from a guy in Pittsburgh. I can't understand why the government is cracking down on giveaways, though. After all, President Truman's been on the road three months now trying to give away... (laughs) Of course, political speeches have been crowding the radio so much it's very confusing. At 10 o'clock yesterday, Portia was facing life wearing Truman's glasses and Dewey's mustache. (laughs) The Republicans have been accused of overconfidence. I understand Dewey just placed an order with I.J. Fox for a mink mustache. And Earl Warren keeps going into Washington bars and yelling, Orange juice for everybody. In fact, one night last week, they caught Earl Warren trying to squeeze a grapefruit on the Capitol Dome. (laughs) Los Angeles, California, the yearly convention of the American Congress of Surgeons, met here this week to evaluate the progress of medical science during the past year. 7,500 doctors. That's a lot of camel cigarettes. One of the surgeons met an old patient of his in the hotel lobby. It was a touching scene as the MD ran over, clapped the fellow on the back, and exclaimed, Well, well, long time no saw. <laughs> See, there were surgeons. <laughs> the bellhops aren't too enthusiastic about this convention. One of them carried a doctor's suitcase upstairs, held out his hand. And before he knew what had happened, he had his pulse taken, a mole removed, and donated three quarts of blood to the Red Cross. <laughs> a Swedish doctor caused a sensation at the convention by demonstrating a mechanical heart run by electricity. Can you imagine the future? A man with a mechanical heart getting a letter from the electric company that says, unless you pay your bill, we'll have to cut your heart off. <laughs> And the, new, 
And the new scientific instruments they have now are unbelievable. they got microscopes that are so powerful you can not only see the microbes, but you can actually hear them. I looked into it, and there were five germs marching up and down and singing, Good health to all from Rexall. <laughs> and the druggists are all excited about a new remedy called Vuma-Seltzer. It has a thousand times more fizz than Alka-Seltzer. You just put a tablet in a glass, pour water on it, then run outside and drink it as it comes out the window. <laughs> Hi, what's this? Somebody parking their car right in the studio? Oh, relax, Bob. This isn't a real car. It was just a sound effect to remind everybody about Lever Brothers' big new contest. Listen. Well, it sounds like an interesting contest. What do you do, mail in the top of a pedestrian? <laughs> <laughs> no, Bob, no. All you have to do is mail in a wrapper from a cake of swan, and you have a chance to win a new 1949 Mercury. And tonight, we have the first winners. To Mrs. Catherine Kelly of 2115 Freemansburg Avenue, Eaton, Pennsylvania. A new 1949 Mercury. To Miss Harriet D. Young of Lexington, Kentucky. A new 1949 Mercury. To Mrs. T.W. Lyons of Atlanta, Georgia. A new 1949 Mercury. To Cecil Earl Williams, Hospital Corps, United States Naval Air Station, Key West, Florida. A new 1949 Mercury. Congratulations, winners. And remember, folks, there's still plenty of time to enter. Lever Brothers is giving away a Mercury a day every day until November 19th. That's right, a Mercury a day plus $1,000 in cash awards daily. There's a new contest every day except Saturday and Sunday, and you can enter as often as you please. All residents of the continental United States, including Alaska and Hawaii, are eligible. Just be sure to follow the complete rules printed on free entry blanks at your store. Here's all you do. Finish the following statement, I like swan soap because in 25 words or less. Then send a swan soap wrapper together with your name and address to Lever's Mercury A Day Contest, Post Office Box 3, New York 8, New York. Well, I swan. A Mercury A Day. He whiz. That's right. By Cracky. Yeah. <laughs> Here's the beautiful Doris Day and the four hits of the mist for their treatment of hair of gold. Doris front and center. He came down from Butte, Montana. For a little change of scene And he stopped a day in Santa Fe Where he met a pretty queen Oh, hair of gold, eyes of blue Just like cherry wine The prettiest gal he ever knew And he said, I'll make her mine Now he planned to leave on Monday But she held him kind of tight So he held the ground job on that song, Doris. You know, I was thinking about those musicals you make over at Warner Brothers. It's too bad they haven't got a good-looking fella to sing with you. But, Bob, I just finished a picture with Dennis Morgan. Dennis Morgan? You mean Jack Carson's mother? <laughs> the kind of a fella you need in those pictures should be handsome and magnetic, and he should have a voice somewhere in between Perry Como and Andy Russell. Oh, I know, Bob, but a fellow as perfect as that is too much to hope for. Well, that's what my parents thought, but it happened. <laughs> You mean? Yes, I have so much more than Gregory. Why should I fight it? 
Bob. <laughs> Bob, hmm? I would love to be in a picture with you. Oh, and that reminds me. My dramatic coach, Miss Ryan, wants me to thank you for taking her on that tour through Paramount Studios. Well, I was glad to do it, Doris. And it was easy to arrange because I'm the most important actor over the, you know. <laughs> well, now, that's very odd. They told Miss Ryan that the most important actor was Alan Ladd. Paramount said that? Yes. Well, I'll get even with them. Just wait till the next time they want me to Simonize Sabu's elephant. <laughs> Come on, Bob. You know you love working over at Paramount. Oh, I don't know. Pictures are all right, but they're so make-believe. It's a shame the way they fool the public. How? Well, for instance, everybody thinks Gary Cooper's a tall man. That's because they always give him something to stand on before they shoot a scene. Well, he certainly does look tall in pictures. What does he stand on? Crosby's. <laughs> And that's quite a lump, you know. <laughs> Humphrey Bogart. There's another fake. Humphrey Bogart? Yeah, you know what a rough mug he's supposed to be? You see him in a picture and he says, stick him up in your hands, you rat or I'll drill you. I'm the toughest guy in town. Well, isn't he tough? Doris, Lorraine Bacall told me that when he comes home at night, she has to rub him with alcohol before he can mash the potatoes. <laughs> Bob. Bob, you're making this whole thing up. I am not. Wait till I tell you about Charles Boyer. Now, there's nothing wrong with Charles Boyer. Oh, no? You know how he got his lower lip to hang down like that, don't you? When he goes to bed at night, he buttons it to his pajamas. comes Miss Ryan now. Yeah, now, for heaven's sakes, Doris, don't ask her about her ailments or we'll be here all night. Okay. Hello, everybody. Well, I'm improving. Uh, oh, really? <laughs> Yesterday, I felt lousy. But today, I had a good day. Mm-hmm. I just feel kind of rotten. <laughs> so what's the matter, Miss Ryan? Well, I haven't been able to sleep for the last three nights. It's so cold here in California in the evening. But I thought you bought an electric blanket. Yes, but those things are kind of tricky. When I first got it, I turned the heat up too high, and all night long I kept dreaming I was a fried egg. <laughs> well, didn't you roll over? Why didn't you roll over? Oh, I couldn't. I always sleep sunny side up. <laughs> I'm cheerful. When I get up in the morning, I smile through my agony and I say, I just hope I live through this day. And do you? You know, uh... You know, Doris was telling me... Sometimes I wonder whatever happened to my vitality. Oh, it must be crawling around someplace. <laughs> Doris was saying... Just... Oh, I'm serious, really. I used to be a real live wire. Well, those fuses don't last forever, you know. Miss Ryan, I was telling Bob how much you enjoyed your tour through Paramount. Oh, yes, Mr. Hope. And I know it sounds kind of silly, but I sort of fell in love with one of those young, good-looking leading men over there. Ray Milan? No. <clears throat> Barry Fitzgerald. <laughs> He's got such pretty blue eyes. Every time he looked at me, I could feel the corners curl on my mustard plaster. <laughs> Well, did you get acquainted with Barry Fitzgerald? Well, I tried to. I wanted him to know that I'd seen him in pictures. So I walked up and said, going my way? And he said, yes, eventually, but I have to take two more harp lessons. <laughs> well, the next time I see Barry, I'll put in a good word for you. Oh, thank you, Mr. Hope, but... Say, do you think that he'd like me any better if I dressed real girlish? You know, with a peasant blouse or a sweater? Miss Ryan, aren't you trying to flag down the super chief with a burnt match? <laughs> well, so long, everybody. Tonight, the Medical Association is putting on a radio quiz program. I want to be there because they're giving away a free autopsy. <laughs> Goodbye. Yes, sir. 
There she goes. She'll probably spend Halloween bobbing for aspirin. <laughs> By the way, Doris, what are you doing Halloween? Well, I have a date with High Everman. Hey, look, here he comes now, and he's wearing a yachting cap. Ahoy there, you landlubbers. Lower your gangplank. I'm coming alongside. Well, if it isn't the Moby Dick of the kitchen sink. <laughs> like you've been out sailing, High. Well, a man like me can't resist the call of the open sea. I spent the weekend at Malibu. I love those trade winds blowing through my hair and the refreshing salt spray on my face. Do you have your own yacht at Malibu? No, he's receptionist down there on a live bait barge. <laughs> he gets $12 a week and all the fish heads he can smuggle out in his pants cuffs. Gee, hi, it must take a lot of courage to go out in the ocean. Well, you see, Dora, sailing is in my blood. My great-grandfather was a sea dog. My grandfather was a sea dog. My father was an old sea dog. And then came me. Well, the luck couldn't hold out forever. <laughs> a water spaniel have to get in there someplace. Don't pay any attention to him, hi. Say, tell me about some of your seagoing ancestors. Well, Doris, my great-great-grandfather was a famous old pirate. Honestly? Yes, old cutthroat Averback. Why, they still talk about the time Captain Kidd and his bloodthirsty crew attacked my great-great-grandfather and boarded his ship. Well, box my compass. <laughs> there was Captain Kidd and my great-great-grandfather. <laughs> Yes, sir. There they were, Doris. It was there, and I delivered it. (laughs) Okay, take it. Like I've been saying, Captain Kidd and my great-great-grandfather were there in a hand-to-hand saber duel. Finally, finally, Captain Aberbeck dropped his weapon, and he was at Captain Kidd's mercy. He had to show him where the treasure chest was. The pirates opened it. They threw the diamonds and rubies into the sea. Uh And then at the bottom of the chest, they found what they were looking for. What? What? A cake of swan soap. He had to go around Cape Horn to get it, but there it is. Yes, Swan is that new, better floating soap. Made by a modern, patented process no other soap can use. It's better for dishes because Swan gives faster, harder-working suds. Suds that rinse away so completely, dishes don't need wiping. And as Captain Aberback was struggling there in the water, whipping up those rich, creamy suds, suddenly, from out of the mist, there appeared a life raft with two men on it. What were the Lever brothers doing out there? Captain Aberback's rescuers reached out and pulled him onto the raft by his soft white hands. Soft because he used swan. Naturally, swan is better for hands. Mild as the finest Castiles, with richer suds that protect your hands. Yes, swan's exclusive process makes it better for dishes and hands. For baby, for bath, for you. So break swan. See how you get two smooth cakes that are never rough or crumbly. It's another way to prove Swan is a better white floating soap. Well, shiver my soap dish, I swan. Me too. Yes, sir. That's right. Bye, Cracky. Ladies and gentlemen, tonight our guest stars are those sensational young comics, Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis. But there's a story connected with how they got on our show. The other night I went over to Slapsy Maxie to see Martin and Lewis about coming on the show. And as I walked into the club, they were in the middle of the rack. Dean Martin was singing. Everybody loves somebody sometimes. Everybody falls in love somehow. Something in your kid just told me. My sometime is now. Everybody finds somebody someplace. There's no telling where love may appear. Something in my heart keeps saying.
winds up our show, and uh, I'm pretty sure my partner, Darius Lewis, would like to say a few things, huh? Thanks very much. I'm, I'm, I'm awfully glad you called on me, and because you let me be out of here with you like this, I appreciate it. You what? I said by you calling me like this, I appreciate it. Why do you keep the words up in the air? Let it come down. There's a period there. You, you would say, I'm going to the corner, not, I'm going to the corner. Oh, you talk your way. I talk that way because, listen. Oh, stop being foolish and say goodnight to the people. In a nice way, huh? Yes. You folks have been very nice to us, and I would like to say that we appreciate the way you received our work, and I'd like to say, as far as an audience is concerned, you folks have really been without a doubt. Boy, it's really a relief to be back here in the dressing room. Yeah, I'm beat. We really worked hard tonight, didn't we, Jerry? With that audience, we had to. What was it with those people? We're doing our act and they're eating. They just sit there eating and eating and eating. You know, Dean, it made me stop and think. What about? I'm hungry. Uh, listen, Jerry, did you see that guy sitting in the front row with that big funny nose? That's a nose. That was his nose. <laughs> I thought it was his date. No wonder she had two holes in her head. Yeah, that nose was a real brute. Did you see the waiter come over and ask the nose if it was ready to order dinner? <laughs> I wonder who this schmo is. Did he get a load of that, that funny outfit he was wearing? Top hat, white tie, and bare feet? Yeah, and he really was tipping. He was throwing bars of soap around like a drunken laundryman. You know something, Jerry? There was something familiar about that guy. I've seen him before. You have? Yeah. Wait a minute. His name is uh, Bob... Uh, Bob... Bob... Uh... Bob Montgomery? No. Bob Taylor? No, but you're getting warm. Bob... Ristanwick? No. <laughs> Bob... Uh, Lou? Jerry. Bob... Lou... Bob... Lou... Bob... Jerry Lewis. That's who it is. Jerry Lewis. No. How could it be me? How could I be on the stage and in the audience at the same time? Oh, Jerry, please. I remember now. Mm. It was a hot summer day in New York. I had just come out of the doctor's office. The doctor had just told me the news. I had only 70 years to live. <laughs> I had to cram a whole lifetime into only 70 years. I thought of all the wonderful things I wanted to do. Paris, Rome, London. Get a haircut. <laughs> Your head's coming loose again. Jerry, I just remembered who that guy in the front is. Hey, there's somebody knocking on the door. Oh, there's a clever deduction. Will you please go to the door, Jerry? Okay, I will. Promise to write me while I'm gone? Yes, every day. Well, that'll be sterling. Bye. Bye. <laughs> Who's there, boy or girl? Bob Hope, answer the question. <laughs> well? <laughs> Hi, I'm Bob Hope, and I, uh... Beat it, kid. No autographs. <laughs> now, wait a minute, Jerry. Uh, come right in, Bob. Uh, I'm Dean Martin. This is my partner, Jerry Lewis. Jerry, Bob Hope. Bob Hope, big deal. You can't just barge in here, bud. We're not bums, you know. Didn't you see the sign on our dressing room door? Sure, it said gentlemen. <laughs> well, uh, we insisted on that. We like a lot of wash basin. Well, you... You know, I just caught your act, fellas, and I thought you were great. Say, Dean, you know when you sing, you sound just like Crosby? Well, I've been sick.
Bing Bing can sing, huh? I can sing better than that with both Adnoids tying behind my back. Please, boy, who'd you ever sing with? Who'd I ever sing with? Are you for real? <laughs> He's asking me. <laughs> Go ahead, quick frozen read. Go ahead. <laughs> Tell me, who'd you ever sing with? Well, Kate Smith, just to name a few. <laughs> get, get, just get a load of some of this thing, will you, hey? Rising where the moon High up on the midnight blue Stop. Sounds like this kid was frightened by the Andrews sisters. <laughs> One at a time. What kind of crack is that to make? What are you, a wise guy or something? I'd punch you right in the nose if I wasn't afraid your nose would punch me back. Look, don't take it out on me, pumpkin head, just because your hair got singed when they put the candle in. <laughs> now, look, fellas, as I was saying, I thought your act was really fine. I was wondering if you'd like to do a guest appearance on my show. What do we need with radio? We have everything two good-looking young American boys could ask for. Lights, music, caviar, champagne, sen-sen. I love life and I want to live. Hey, Dean, light me another cigarette. I swallowed the last one. You know, Gary's got a point there, Bob. We're doing pretty well in nightclubs, and besides, we're a little bit afraid of radio. Oh, there's no reason to be afraid of radio. Look at Al Jolson. He'd never have his own radio program today. He'd still be working in a nightclub if he hadn't taken the advices of his friend Abe. Abe Lassvogel? No, Abe Lincoln. Fellas, I tell you, <laughs> I tell you, you can't miss on the air. Well, I'm sold, Bob. How about you, Jerry? No, I will not go on the air. And if you try to force me, I'll throw myself down on the ground and kick. And if you want to go on the radio, you can go on by yourself, Dean Martin. All right for you, so there, too. <laughs> Oh, what's the matter with you, Jerry? Everything I say to you goes in one hole in your head and out the other. Look, Jerry, why don't you forget about being a comedian? Get married and have a few kids. Don't wait until it's too late like your father did. <laughs> Say, Dean, why don't we go off by ourselves where we can T-A-L-K without the K-I-D? Well, he's pretty hard to L-O-S-E, but we can T-R-Y. Hey, you guys, cut that out. I know what you're doing. What? You're spelling. <laughs> I don't care what you say. I'm not going on the radio. I hate the radio, and if you make me go on the radio, I'll swallow my skate key. Well, we pay our guest stars $5,000 for a guest shot, and if you guys work out, you can come back for five more shots. And I want mine with soda. <laughs> I put one over on him, didn't I? Was not a fun... Ain't I the shifty one? All right, so it's all said, Jerry. We'll do the Hope Show. Yeah, we'll do the Hope Show. Oh, swell. Well, I'll see you Tuesday, then. Sure, why not? We'll send you the ticket. <laughs> Don't mind him, Bob. When uh, we were kids, we were playing Jacks one day, and the car fell down on his head. <laughs> have, you, have you guys got any material you can do on the radio? Well, we've got a song that we sang once before with a girl, but you could take her part. Oh, fine. Is it a good part? Is it a good part? Here's the music. Just come in every place that says Hildegard. <laughs> Looking over a four-leaf clover that I overlooked before. One leaf is sunshine, the second is rain. Third is the roses that grow in the lane. No need explaining the one remaining is somebody I adore. I said I adore. I mean adore really means. <laughs> this kid sounds like Jeanette McDonald with a half Nelson on Eddie. <laughs> Did you hear what he said, Dean? Hold me back. Hold me back. Why should I hold you back? It itches. <laughs> I'm looking over a four-leaf clover that I overlooked before. There goes our hooper that I overlooked before. Mirror, mirror on the my hair fairest of them all. It is when you use Rave Cream Shampoo. Rave leaves your hair so clean, so soft, so easy to manage. Easy to manage because the pure lanolin in Rave is specially blended with other ingredients to make hair behave, even on shampoo day. Try Rave Cream Shampoo, now sold at new low prices. R-A-Y-V-E, Rave Cream Shampoo. 
This is NBC, the national broadcasting company. The new Swan Show with our great singing star, Doris Day. Well, I swan. A new discovery, Bill Farrell. How do you do? The four hits and a miss, the president of the Cleveland Indians ball team, Bill Vec, and the new Les Brown Band. We just want exclusively, how about you? Yes, how about you? Who, me? My name is Robert Swansea Hope. Swan's Eye View of the News. New York, New York. This week, a board of artists selected as the five most virile-looking men in the country, Clark Gable, Victor Mature, Lou Boudreaux, Governor Earl Warren, and radio singer Jack Smith. Of course, you can see they made a terrible mistake. <laughs> I don't know how... I don't know how they picked that gable over me. His chest measures 42 inches. I've got the same measurement, and besides, he can't take his off. <laughs> and Jack Smith was picked. He has a smile in his voice. You know how he gets that giggly effect, don't you? He's the only singer who wears a turtleneck sweater with live turtles. <laughs> of course, this isn't the first time Lou Boudreaux has won a contest. After the World Series, the girls at Cleveland voted him the man they would most like to slide into home with. Detroit, Michigan. The nation's car owners were getting their first look into the future this week as the new 1949 models started rolling off the assembly line. Yeah, those new cars are really low-slung. One driver on Sunset Boulevard looked back, saw a pedestrian still standing and said, Just my luck, I had to pick a bow-legged one. <laughs> and, there's, and there's so many automatic gadgets on those new autos. They're almost human. One of them is wonderful. When you see a woman driver coming your way, you press a button, the whole car folds up into a submarine and dives into the nearest manhole. <laughs> but those new midget cars are very practical. When the engine starts missing, you don't need a mechanic. You just throw it over your shoulder and burp it. Los Angeles, California. It's top hat, white tie, and tails for music lovers here tonight. As the curtain rises on the 1948 opera season at the Shrine Auditorium. Opera, that's a chorus of 25 arguing with F.E. Boone over who's first again with Spaghetti Man. <laughs> Boy, was that opera opening a ritzy affair. All the women came dressed in their best furs. I heard one mink coat say to another, Don't turn your nose up at me. I knew you when you were eating lettuce in the San Fernando Valley. <laughs> I caused quite a sensation with the outfit I was wearing. I don't know why I was only wearing a cutaway coat, but I didn't know you weren't supposed to wear cutaway pants. <laughs> it was the first time anybody ever saw shorts made out of swan wrappers. <laughs> and boy, was that opera house really jammed with people. I wondered why it kept snowing in the second act of Il Travatore. Then I found out I was watching it through the popcorn machine in the lobby. <laughs> Paris, France, the Security Council of the U.N. returned to normal this week as, after ten days of sulking, Andre Vyshinsky finally broke his campaign of silence. Don't think it was easy for Vyshinsky to keep the silence. For ten days, he had to quit eating borscht. <laughs> Imagine Vyshinsky going to the U.N. and not talking. That's like Artie Shaw going to a wedding and being best man. The Russians say they can't do anything until they get international cooperation. International cooperation. That show us how to make the atom bomb, and we'll show you where New York City used to be. <laughs> Thank you. Say hi. Hi, the lungs. It's time to sell the stuff. Uh, sorry, Bob. I'm just not up to it tonight. I, I, I can't do it. Hi. The Lieber brothers have turned up their ear trumpets. They're waiting. <laughs> well, I... I'm afraid not, Bob. It's, it's impossible. You better force yourself. You'll be back at your old job rolling bandages for young Dr. Christian. <laughs> Come on, make with a pitch high. Oh, Jeffrey, if, if only I could. If only I could tell the folks about the beauty of a bar of mild, pure swan floating majestically in the kitchen sink. But, but when I try the vision of those velvet, rich, creamy suds, those, those suds that are so kind to your hands, why, it leaves me speechless. I, I just can't say a word. I swear I heard something. 
Maybe it was just the rustle of his taffeta waistcoat. Well, don't. Don't mock me, Robert. I'm trying. Begad how I'm trying. I long to tell the people that Swan gets dishes done quicker because those glamorous, beautiful Swan suds rinse away so completely you don't have to do anything. You know, folks, you could avoid all this if you just go out and buy the stuff. I long to tell them that Swan lasts longer because it's firmer, that it washes more dishes per penny. But then I come to that line, that lovely, poetic line. Swan is made by a modern pop patented process that no other... process that no other soap can use. I don't bother you, do I, Daddy? <laughs> you know, Bob, that does it to me. Why, it's like, it's like an ode from Keats, a sonnet from Shelley. Sounds more like a plug from Lieber, brother. <laughs> Inside, my heart is crying. Use half in the kitchen, half in the bath, and you'll find that Swan is the best soap afloat. But I can't say it, Bob. I, I can't say it. And so, Bob... Yes, Hi. There will be no commercial. <laughs> Tune in next week, folks. There'll be no high ever back. <laughs> well, I swore. <laughs> Gee whiz. That's, That's right. right. Bye, Cracky. <laughs> Junior Baritone, Bill Farrell, biting into the hit parade with Maybe You'll Be There. Enter, Bill. Like a fool, I stop and stare. It's really not the proper thing to do, but maybe you'll be there. I go out walking after midnight along the lonely thoroughfare. It's not the time or place to look for you, but maybe you'll be there. You said your arms would always hold me. You said your lips were mine alone to kiss. Now On the stairs With anxious heart I'll hurry To the door And maybe you'll Be Look out. Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis will be with us. Well, folks, you've all heard the old saying, it pays to advertise. And we've often wondered what it would be like if a presidential candidate's campaign was handled by an advertising agency. So let's look in on one of the country's biggest advertising geniuses. Good morning, IQ. Don't waste time on words, Miss Wilson. I'm a busy man. Have to go up and do the skywriting myself this morning. Can't trust those skywriters. Yes, I noticed yesterday in the Pepsi-Cola ad there was a hyphen between every letter. I know. The pilot was drunk and he got the hiccups. <laughs> have to do everything myself. Gee, just look at your plane out there, Chief. It's got bullet holes in it. Yeah, I got caught in the airlift over Glendale. <laughs> I have to do everything myself. Is that what made you so late, boss? Well, that was part of it. I had to stop at the hospital and send some, spend some time in the maternity ward. <laughs> oh, is your wife there? No, she couldn't make it. I have to do everything myself. I tell you... <laughs> Incidentally, Miss Wilson, bring for the song team I hired to write advertising jingles. Okay. Did, Did you, you call, call for us, Chief? Yes. 
Yes, have you finished that jingle about old stepmother's whiskey? We sure did, IQ. Now just listen to this. Old stepmother bourbon is just the thing for a whiskey fizz. Drink a quart when you feel sad. Drink two quarts and you'll drop dead. <laughs> Back in the dungeon. That ought to get about 500 new members for Alcoholics Anonymous. I'll send for you later. Right. Oh, Chief, there's a gentleman waiting in the lobby to see you. He says his name is Faultless J. Quink. Faultless J. Quink. Well, that's the man I've been expecting. His party has paid us $50,000 to handle his campaign for the presidency. Show him right in and leave us alone. Right this way. How do you do, sir? I presume you're the advertising wizard like you hope. That's right. Glad to meet you, Mr. Quink. And I might say that you look like real presidential timber. Oh, I'm not Quink. I'm Murphy, his campaign manager. This is our candidate right here. Pleased to meet you. Is there a party for a candidate like that? Mr. Murphy said you can get me a lot of votes, Mr. Hope. He said that you could get me plenty of support on November 4th. Yeah, but what's going to hold you up till then? Now, let's get started on this campaign. We've got to make Faultless Quink look like a typical candidate. Quink, can you raise a mustache? Well, I raised one once, but I had to shave it off. It made me lose my balance. Well, IQ never gives up. Maybe you can still look like a candidate. You got any glasses? I thought you'd have the glasses. I brought the booze. All right. <laughs> I mean, you don't have to worry about Faultless Jay Quink. His record is clean. Tell him about yourself, Faultless. When you were a boy, didn't your mother want you to grow up and be president? She wasn't sure I'd grow up. <laughs> well, we're not getting started in this campaign any too soon. The opposition is pouring a steady stream of propaganda over the radio. I'll switch it on and show you. The following is a political announcement paid for by the Republican Party. <laughs> is a dapper Dan, that's why I'll vote Republican. He's got good looks and a lot of dash. I'd like to kiss him on his cute mustache. Tickle, 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 tickle. There you see. But don't worry about it. I've already got my boys working on some hot copy for our client. Now, Quink, is there anything in your background the opposition may use against you? Did you ever do anything you were ashamed of? Well, yes, there is. What is it? Well, I never told anybody before. Come on, Clink. Now, what did you do? Well, I hate to admit it, but when I was young, I used to sneak into the campfire girls' headquarters and let the air out of their marshmallows. Well, you caught yourself just in time. That's how Humphrey Bogart got started. Murphy just put down that our candidate is in favor of deflation. By the way, IQ, how are we going to get that southern vote? I'll figure out something. Quink, you got any relatives in the south? Well, I used to have an uncle in Kentucky. That's great stuff. Mark it down, Murphy. Just think of it. He's got an uncle who's one of the first to find old Kentucky colonels, a pillar in his community, a citizen who was both trustworthy and honest. He was a horse thief, and they hung him to the highest tree in the town. Hung <laughs> him to the highest tree in town? What will I write down, IQ? Just say that everybody looked up to him. Thing we'll do. Hi, Chief. We got it. We got it. The campaign song for a faultless quink. Is it good? It's great. And you know what, Chief? We tied it up with the names of all the products you advertise. Oh, good. Let's hear it. If you want the country cleaned up, cast your vote for faultless quink. He's had cleaning up experience using Drano in his sink. He dresses in the latest fashion, arrow shirts and things like that. Even when he takes a bath, he always wears an Adam hat. I'll tell you. He uses Tums and also scents and shaves his legs with an ever sharp shick. He could never be offensive because he gargles with air wick. That's wink. One of her favorites, written by Les Brown, Sentimental Journey. This Doris Day, ladies and gentlemen. Gonna take a sentimental journey. Gonna set my heart at ease. I'm gonna make a sentimental journey. Got my reservation Spent each dime I could afford 
Like a child in wild anticipation I long to hear that all over Thank you, Bob. Say, I haven't seen you since you took me to the Los Angeles Dons football game Friday night. Yeah, it was great. Say, I hear High Everback was wonderful announcing the game. Oh, gee, I wish I could have heard it. Well, I just happen to have a record of the broadcast with me. Doris, uh, would you like to hear it? Oh, wonderful, High. Play it for me. Okay. What a game. The score is tied. Just a few seconds left in the fourth quarter, and the L.A. Dons are on the Baltimore Five. It's fourth down and goal to go. The ball is snapped and Dobbs crashes through center. There's a terrific pileup on the goal line. And there's the referee's whistle. Is it a touchdown? The referee raises his hand. What a thrilling moment. You've never seen such soft white hands before. You can tell he uses swan. Take it easy, folks. Either we sell it this way or I have to spend Saturdays in Thrifty's window scrubbing Sydney Green Street's back. Hi, let's get back to the game. Did they score? Of course, Bob. Swan always scores. Isn't he sneaky? <laughs> Just try Swan in the bathroom and see how the family goes for those rich, creamy suds. See how wonderful your skin feels after a Swan bath. And there's none of that unpleasant, taut, soapy feeling because Swan rinses away rapidly and completely. You're telling me I tried it last night and it took me five minutes to climb back out of the drain. <laughs> so don't forget, folks... Don't forget, whether you've got your eye on the scoreboard or the washboard, you'll find Swan is a winner every time. Use half in the kitchen, half in the bath. Wherever you use it, Swan is the best soap afloat. Well, I Swan. Me too. Gee whiz. That's right. Bye, Cracky. Went down to Virginia. No one sent for me. Went down to Virginia to see what I could see. And well, he found the horses fastest and the gals the best, and the spirits of the state are guaranteed high at death. Gee, I'm glad I came down to Virginia. This nice little southern town, too. There's the village square, there's the courthouse, and there in front of the courthouse is a statue of a real southern hero, Phil Harris. took cement to make him stand up. <laughs> Boy, here comes a real Virginia bell. I think I'll try out this southern hospitality. I beg your pardon, miss. Uh, yeah. <laughs> well, I'm a stranger here in town. I come from up north. Up north? Show north? No, Cleveland. That's right next to show up. <laughs> You see, miss, I don't know many people in town. I thought maybe we could get acquainted. Well, I don't usually talk to strange men unless they talk to me first. But, but anyway, my name is Doris, Ellie Mae, Barbara, Jean, Margaret, Lee, Marsha, Peggy, Ann, Susan, Beauregard. I'll just call you We the People for short. Well, well what's your name, Sugarfoot? <laughs> Robert, but you can call me what my friends call me. What do your friends call you? Robert, I've got very dull friends. <laughs> well, now, I do declare, honey, you're the cutest little old boy I ever laid my eyes on. Well, say, it's Lois. 
Well, well, tell me, honey bun, are there any more of Noah like you? No, after they made me, Russia stole the plans. He went down to Virginia and didn't know a soul. No wonder folks befriend you, their hearts are made of gold. They are the civic-minded citizens, are all so kind. They see to it, you hook a fish in every line. Gee, Doris, <laughs> we've been going together for quite a while now. When are you going to ask your father when we can get married? Well, now, you know how Daddy hates northerners. Well, I'm not afraid of your father. I'll meet him face-to-face, -face and I'll get out face-to-face, -face and I'll get a... <laughs> meet him that way, too, if you don't mind. And I'll get his permission to marry. Oh, my stars. Won't it just be wonderful when we get married and, and y'all come home from work and I've got the chitlins waiting for you? Oh, by the way, darling, do you like chitlins? Yeah, I'm crazy about chitlins. I hope her first one's a boy. So he stayed down in Virginia. That's how much he'd been sold. So bless the day that brought me here And bless the folks I love so dear Oh, hello, Daddy. Look what I brought home with me. What's the matter with you, daughter? Ain't we got enough bull weevils around the place now? <laughs> oh, this ain't no bull weevil, Daddy. This is Robert. How do, boy? Say, uh, I hope you ain't a northerner. Well, I... The last time I caught a northerner on my property, I whipped him till he was a cherry red. Then I chopped him up in little pieces and fed him to my hound dog. Where'd you say you was from, boy? Oh, black eyed peas and candy, yams, and that's what I like about yeah. Oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Robert. Go on, Robert. Put the question to him. Okay, so, as you know, I've been sparking your daughter for quite some time now. You... You really stuck on her, eh, boy? Colonel, to me, she's just as pretty as a baby ham hanging on a hook in the smokehouse. And, daughter, are you gone on Colonel Hope? To me, he's just a vanilla-flavored, sweet molasses-covered, sugar-coated honey boy. Please, you make me feel like one of Cougat's nougat. Well, Pierre's like there's going to be a wedding. <laughs> Doris, I wish your mother could be alive to see her beautiful, blonde, blue-eyed daughter getting married. Tell me, did Doris look like a mother colonel? Shucks, no. Her mother was the ugliest old bat in Virginia. <laughs> That woman's face was so ugly, she had to wear a bonnet with slats. <laughs> Boy, she was triple ugly. <laughs> no man in the whole state would come near her. Well, how'd you come to marry her? Oh, I don't know. Just lucky, I guess. <laughs> well, good luck, you. And it's stay down in Virginia. Virginia. Right now, folks, it's a pleasure to introduce a man who brought showmanship to big-time baseball. A guy who, in a great measure, was responsible for bringing the world's baseball crown to Cleveland. The former fighting Marine and now president of the Cleveland Indians Baseball Club, Mr. Bill Veck, ladies and gentlemen. Thanks a lot, Bob. Certainly a pleasure to be here. Well, it's good to have you, Bill. You know, I've been sitting over here watching the show. You've got a lot of rackets, haven't you? Well, don't look at it that way. Let's get down to business. Did you bring my share with you? <laughs> huh? Bob, take it a little easy. You know, we haven't counted all that dough yet. <laughs> There's a lot there to count, too. I wish I could help you. But look at Bill. Seriously, with me, money is secondary. The thing that matters with me is sentiment. You see, I have a great fondness for the city of Cleveland. After all, I grew up there, and I love that town. That's a wonderful attitude, Bob. Of course, I had a check here for several thousand dollars, but uh, because of your attachment to Cleveland, you won't want it. Shake hands with a tourist. 
It's swell having you here. We both have so much in common. For instance, we're both big men in the sports world, aren't we? Well, we're both big men. Well, we're both men. Call for Philip Morris. you appreciate the great moral support I gave the Indians when I was back there for the series. Moral support? Bob, you really embarrassed us back there. How? Well, whenever Lou Boudreau sent a player to the showers, he looked so silly, run along behind him, yelling, Use swan, you get more bubbles. <laughs> yeah, and I had to run in for my free seat in the bleach. I mean, my seat in the bleach of a box. <laughs> I had to run in for my seat in the bleachers to do it. Bob, you had a real good seat, right at the north end of the stadium. Yeah, it was north, all right. It was so far north, there were two people next to me wearing fur coats and rubbing noses. <laughs> and a guy kept coming around selling hot blubber on a roll. <laughs> Gotta keep your family working some way. <laughs> yeah. What do you do, write stuff on the plane? What are you doing? Well, I want you to know that I was ready to get in the game any time you wanted me, Bill. Of course, you know I'm an all-round athlete. Bob, I could tell you were an athlete the first time I laid eyes on you. Just take a look at those big, broad shoulders. The tremendous chest. And lean, hard stomach and the bulging biceps. Honest, Bill? <laughs> Truly. I have so much more than gorgeous, George. Why should I fight him? <laughs> But you know, Bill, around Cleveland, they tell me that you seldom wear a tie. Is that right? That's right, Bob. And after that tie of the Red Sox, I'll guarantee I'll never wear one. <laughs> that was rough. I don't blame you. That American League playoff left me a nervous wreck, too. I chewed my fingernails all the way down to my wristwatch. <laughs> but seriously, Bill, everybody from the Cleveland Bat Boy to the present. We thank you so much. Next week, ladies and gentlemen, we welcome those two young comedians from Night Spots Theaters and Radio. Really the sensation of the past year. The team of Dean Martin and Jerry Lewis, ladies and gentlemen. Come in, boys. Thank you very much. Bill Beck. Good night, ladies and gentlemen. Here are on the wall is my hair fairest of them all. It is when you use Rave Cream Shampoo. Rave leaves your hair so clean, so soft, so easy to manage. Easy to manage because the pure lanolin and rave is specially blended with other ingredients to make hair behave, even on shampoo day. Try Rave Cream Shampoo, now sold at new low prices. R-A-Y-V-E, Rave Cream Shampoo. From Hollywood, California, Swan Soap, another fine product of Lever Brothers Company, has presented the Bob Hope Show with Bill Veek, Doris Day, Bill Farrell, Les Brown and his orchestra, and yours truly, Hi Everbank. You should have listened to Phil McGee and Molly, which follows immediately on most of these shows. One of Doris Day's favorite records these days is Confessed with Buddy Clark. Well, here she is again with Les Brown and the boy, Miss Doris Day. Confess, confess, confess. Why don't you confess? Say yes, say yes. I wish you'd reveal to me. Reveal to me. The way that you feel. Why don't you tell me the way that you feel? Confess. 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 It isn't a crime. Oh no, no crime. To open your heart to me. Confide in me. And say that you're mine. Why don't you tell me you're gonna be mine? How long can I keep waiting for a tender word from you? The sweetest rose starts fading when the sun shines. Confess, confess. Please don't make me guess. Don't make me guess. If you really care for me. If you could care. Then, darling, confess. How long can I keep waiting for a tender word from you? 
The sweetest rose starts fading When the sunshine won't come through Confess I'm standing by to confess Please don't make me guess Oh, why should I guess If you really care for me I really do Then, darling, confess So now, right now, let's bow cigarettes holding hands and yawning look how late it gets two sleepy people by dawn's early light and too much in love to say good night here we are in the cozy chair picking on a wishbone from the frigid air two sleepy people with nothing to say too much in love to break away do you remember the nights we used to linger in the hall yeah father didn't like you at all (laughs) (laughs) whatever happened to him remember the reason why we married in the fall to rent this little nest and get a bit of rest well here we are just about the same Foggy little fella Drowsy little dame Two sleepy people by dawn's early light And too much in love to say goodnight Here we are Gee, don't we look a mess Lipstick on my collar (laughs) And wrinkles in my dress Two sleepy people by dawn's early light And too much in love to say goodnight. Here we are, crazy in the head. Gee, your eyes are gorgeous. Yeah. Even when they're red. Hmm. Two sleepy people who know very well. They're too much in love to break the spell. Do you remember the nights we used to cuddle in the car? Uh Uh-huh. Watching every last fading star And remember, the doctor said your health was under par And you, my little snooks, were ruining your looks Well, here we are, keeping up the pace Letting each tomorrow slap us in the face Two sleepy people by dawn's early light And too much in love to say goodnight. Well, guys, that does it for Mr. Bob Hope on today's performance I want to thank everyone who has listened and subscribed to my podcast I really do appreciate it I'm sorry guys I did not work on my Halloween episode last night but join me later on tonight as I bring to the show Miss Elsbeth Eric and another performance in the Grim Reaper meets the Sandman and my two Halloween episodes later on this evening. And join me this coming Tuesday for an election day mystery and comedy episode. And join me this coming Friday as we welcome back to the show, or actually to the show, in her first performance, 
Miss Eva Langerge as in Al Lewis's CBS production or Mrs. Brooks. If you guys like the show, please comment and subscribe, guys. And stay tuned for those episodes later on tonight. Have a great day. Thanks.